today, looking at um, the Beatitudes um, as we've been looking at. And today I thought it'd be really good to look at um, Matthew 5, verse 9, where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So a question for you all, and happy to hear you speak back to me, is what does peace mean to you? Any ideas? 20 minutes of quiet at home. Yeah, I think uh, we can all identify with that. Feels very peaceful, doesn't it? Calm, yeah. No conflict, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely all of those things. Peace, pardon? Hot tubs. Ah. Is there a hot tub at our weekend away? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, peace um, can mean lots of different things to us in our lives. It can mean calm, absence of conflict, that sort of 20 minutes of quiet. Um, and uh, it's great to see that throughout the Bible, peace is a really key value in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Um, thankfully, we don't have war and conflict in our own country at the moment. And that that is something to be very thankful for, given the history of our country. Um, But we don't have to look very far to see that happening, do we? Sadly, all across the world, even in Europe, in Ukraine, as we've seen over the last year, um, there is um, war. Um, However, peace is much more than just the absence of war and physical conflict. It is that, um, but it is more than that, I believe. Um, Peace, or the lack of it, can really impact our daily lives our families, our workplaces, our commute to and from work with our children, with our church family, in our relationships with God and our view of the world and our attitude towards those in authority. I remember growing up, going to church. uh, Sometimes we'd drive to church. um, And uh, sometimes there was a few arguments on the way, if I'm honest. Not between my mum and my dad, but mainly between me and my sister or between me and my mum or my sister and my dad about being late or not wearing the right things or, or something. Um, and it kind of did affect kind of the mood as we went to church. So I remember mum and dad sort of trying to keep the peace so that we'd get to church as a family in a state where we were at a place of peace. Um, I think if you drive anywhere, like driving to work or the shops um, and people wind you up, it can really impact your sort of attitude, can't it? And take away maybe that peace that you started um, the day with. Um, but here in the Beatitudes, um, we we see um, that Jesus uh, is the Prince of Peace. It's talked about that in Isaiah 9 um, and verse 6. Um, and he talks about being blessed are the peacemakers, um, not the peacekeepers. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But peacemakers, so they all will be called children of God. And, and peace is at the hallmark of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, Romans 14, um, verse 17 to 18. Let's just turn to that. Let's read that together. We uh, live uh, where we live, and you'll come next week and see. Um, But we live next to a house that that used to be a student house, um, but now it has uh, some young adults in it. Um, And they're very well-behaved, but they are young adults, so they will make noise at different times of the day till we make noise. And uh, especially when our kids were younger, I always thought 
I wonder if this is a bit of a source of tension, but sometimes when they have a party, they'll, they'll come and tell us and they'll say, look, you know, it's going to be a bit of noise, but we'll try and finish by this time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and once they said, well, well, we'll finish by 11 and then we're going to go somewhere else. Anyway, it went on till about one or two in the morning. And it wasn't the end of the world, but, you know, we didn't get a lot of sleep that night. Anyway, the next day they came around with a bottle of wine. And they said, oh, we're really sorry. Really sorry that kind of we went on a bit longer last night. And here's a kind of a, a peace offering. And it was great because it kind of, you know, we took it quite well. And it did help to keep the peace. Um, but, um, you know, I think we've probably had our fair share of noise as well, particularly when Daniel started playing the drums. Uh, Josh now plays the piano. And, and children just make noise at very different times of the day to young adults. Um, but anyway, that's another area where we need to keep the peace with our neighbours. Um, but Romans 14, um, verse 17 um, to 18 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in his ways pleads to God and receives human approval. So peace is very much something that it's an internal thing, it's a value, something that affects all of our lives, but it's much more than eating um, and drinking. See, God doesn't just want us to be at peace with him and with one another. He wants us to go out there and make peace. It's the language of being proactive, taking the initiative, seeking reconciliation, asking for forgiveness. Seeking peace is key in all our relationships. Um, when I was growing up, I used to watch the news quite a lot because I think I'm a bit of a geek like that and uh, future in politics was ahead of me. But I used to watch the news and sometimes you'd see the sort of phrase, well, the UN peacekeeping forces are going in to different parts of the world to try and keep the peace. And they would have various levels of success or not with that. And I always thought it was really difficult for the peacekeeping force because they didn't have many powers and they had to kind of keep the peace in some pretty tough situations. But God doesn't want us just to be peacekeepers like that. He wants us to actually make peace. So where there is conflict, he wants us to bring peace. So we can look at a story in the Old Testament. Um, 1 Samuel, oh, I'm going the wrong way. 1 Samuel verse 25. So let's turn to that. That's okay. 1 Samuel verse 25. And it's the story of three people, David, King David, Abel, and uh, Abigail. Um, and I'm going to read the whole story, if that's okay. Um, and it just kind of shows us a few things, I think, about how we can be peacemakers and put into action the Beatitudes um, that we've been looking at. So 1 Samuel 25 and verse 1, it says, Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Moan, who had property there at Karma, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats, 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. There's trouble ahead in this story. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. <coughs> Excuse me. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my men since we came at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son, David, whatever you can find for them. Once David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? 
Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming to could give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messages from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day there was a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near, near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roast grain, 100 cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my lord sent. And now, my lord, as surely as the lord your God lives, and as you live, since the lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my lord be like Nabal, and let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting di dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living uh, of the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled, my Lord, every good thing he promised concerning him as appointed him ruler of Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. When the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David sent to Abigail, praise be to the Lord your God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When, Nabal went to, when Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing at all till daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord 
God, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept my servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking him to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent you to take you to become his wife. He bowed down with her face to the ground and said, I am your servant and I'm ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Um, just to sort of, this story I think illustrates what it is really to be a peacemaker and to get involved in a situation which was escalating pretty quickly between David and Nabal, all about sheep and shearing and land, but really two powerful blokes kind of getting into sort of a battle that didn't really need to be um, fought. And Abigail um, was stuck in the middle of this. She was seeing that it was escalating really quickly and she didn't go after peace and harmony and reconciliation. There would be a lot of needless bloodshed. There would be a bit of a war and conflict. Um, so she, you know, acted really quickly. She soon assessed the situation. They discerned what to do. She wanted to avoid needless bloodshed. And she was a peacemaker. And she saw that her husband, Nabal, was a bit of a, a bad man, really. Um, very mean, surly, got drunk a lot, didn't treat his workers very well. Uh, and, Abel and Abigail saw that. Um, David uh, just taken over from Samuel. You know, he was just, you know, Samuel just sort of died. So, the, you know, the change in Israel's history. Um, but David, as we know, was a bit hot-headed himself um, and had moments in his own life of good and bad. But here we see Abigail, an intelligent, beautiful woman, bringing harmony and reconciliation, able to, you know, get in the middle of that situation and make peace. And we might not all face situations like that every day, but we will all face situations where we have a choice about making um, or, or, or not making peace. And I think that's what the Beatitude is all about. Blessed are the peakers for they, peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Even this week in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, we will have a choice. Can we be peacemakers? Can we go out pro proactively to make peace, to avoid conflict. So there's a few things that I think we can do to try and do that. How do we minister peace and peace to those around us? We can be quick to listen, slow to speak, prayerfully consider how to respond. I think Abigail showed that in that story. She prayed, she saw an escalating situation, how to sort of respond to that. But sometimes we can bring peace by being willing to repent ask for forgiveness, seek reconciliation. We've probably all sadly seen that maybe in our own families, even in this church community, where that unwillingness to repent, ask for forgiveness and seek reconciliation can really have quite um, drastic and damaging um, circumstances. Sometimes peace can take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, it is a process and we've got to be willing to work at it. Sometimes we just like to get involved in a situation, bring about peace, and it's all done. But we know it also can be a process, um, not an event. Um, the peace process in places like Northern Ireland, um, many of you will observe this over many years, um, and it's not that this situation is fully resolved. Northern Ireland's in the news again this week, um, quite a lot about the protocol bill and all the impact that that's having on the people of Northern Ireland. But when I was growing up and many of us were growing up, 
um, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people died in the peace conflicts, uh, the, the, you know, the troubles, as it was called, uh, in Northern Ireland. Um, and obviously there was a lot of hurt and sectarian division on, on both sides um, and a really awful situation for many, many years. Um, that situation has improved, still not perfect, but it has improved. There isn't lots of bombs on the mainland down in Ireland now. And this picture, many of you will know this picture. Obviously, you've got the Queen, uh, our late Queen, who, who sadly died last year, um, shaking hands with Martin McGuinness. Now, Martin McGuinness was really involved in the IRA during the, the Troubles. You know, he was pretty much the, the main person or the second in command, so, and had blood on his hands. You know, he was involved in some really terrible, terrible things. In 1979, the Queen's own cousin was killed by the IRA, uh, Lord Mountbatten. So even in the Queen's own family, she suffered loss, she suffered hurt, she suffered death. Um, but this handshake was quite pivotal in 2012, I think it was. That um, There was a meeting, the Queen went to Ireland in 2011, the first time the Queen had been to Ireland for, for 100 years. Um, and then a year later, there was gonna be this moment where she met um, Martin McGuinness um, and other politicians in Northern Ireland, there was the whole thing, would she shake this guy's hand? Because Martin McGuinness had, you know, admitted some of the things that had been wrong in the past, sort of tried to bring a ceasefire about, um, so trying to seek a path of peace. Uh, and both sides in the conflict had been committed to that for a number of years since the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. Um, and I think the Queen, you know, showed, I think it was really good that she did that. Would have been, I think, a really big thing for her to do it, you know, and not to be discounted. When somebody in your own family is killed, can we find a path of peace? Can we seek reconciliation? Can we ask for forgiveness? Can we uh, move forward in a place that brings about peace, not only for your own family, but for the wider community? And obviously we keep praying for peace in, in Northern Ireland and, and other parts of the world where there are conflict. Um, and yeah, peace is an active process. It doesn't just happen overnight. So peacemaking, as uh, Jesus talked about, is part of our identity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Our identity as children of God is linked um, to us being uh, those who seek out peace and make every effort to keep that bond of peace. So God wants us to have that peace with God, that peace with one another, in the church, in our communities, but then be those who bring about peace in the world around us, being peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. Um, in the kingdom, God always wants us to take that initiative, to be those who take that first step, um, you know, to offer that hand, to shake somebody's hand, to, to be that person who seeks out reconciliation. In Ephesians 4 verse 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I think this verse in Ephesians is really important for us in the church, particularly where we often find ourselves in a place of conflict, sometimes over theology, and some of the problems in Northern Ireland is linked back to some theological differences over decades and centuries. But more often than not, it's about clashes of personality and disagreements, which when left unresolved, can start to become like a root of bitterness that destroys that bond of peace. So it's not ultimately about a big thing in the Bible, but it's about personality, it's about clashes, 
And that's where those who seek to be peacemakers, we have to try and bring about reconciliation. And in our own church community and other churches, um, we've seen the damage of that. Um, so I suppose what I'm challenged by with this verse, and I hope we all can be inspired by, is to go out there and be those who make peace. Not just keep peace, but make peace. Um, and to try and keep peace when it is present. So there is a place for peacemaking and peacekeeping. Um, but where there's an absence of that, um, and that can be in relationships, it can be in our own families, it can be in our workplaces. Sometimes you just go into work one day and you just sense that there's a lack of peace. There's a lot of conflict, there's a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety, and you know that, and I know that, and it's kind of how do we sort of try and just change the mood, bring about things that bring about peace. And again, it's not something that always happens overnight. In James 3, verse 18, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So that whole thing about the kingdom being righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, there is a place that when we sow in peace, we reap a harvest of righteousness, which is fantastic, isn't it? Of righteousness, right living, that being right with God, that if we sow in peace, and that can be, like Abigail did, it's getting involved in a conflict. It's about bringing a gift that makes way for peace. It's about talking. It's about discussing. It's about assessing a situation and being proactive. She saw David's men gathering for this battle and thought, we don't need bloodshed today. There's no need for this. We can have a, a reconciliation process that can make way for this. So when we sow peace, we will always reap the kingdom. Righteousness, peace and joy. Um, and that's the kind of final verse that I wanted us to end with, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, although we all enjoy that, and we do it really well in this community, and it is part of our community life. But it is a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, this verse, I think, is really important that it's actually we all want to please God. That's what we're about as Christians. It's about honoring God. But actually, when we honor God, we can get the community and the wider approval of those around us. So that therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So we please God in this way and we gain human approval. So there's a kind of a double benefit there. And if we make every effort to what leads to peace, we'll all then mutually edify. So if I go after peace, Josh gets the benefit. If Jamie goes after peace, Gene gets the benefit. So we all get the benefit of mutual edification. The community is built up when we all go after peace. Um, and, you know, when we see it in our own families and with our relatives and with our kids and um, with the children in our community, when they make a peaceful resolution... Everybody gets the benefit, don't we? You know, when two people are arguing, everybody gets the disadvantage. But when everybody makes peace, we get that mutual edification. And I, and I love that phrase. It's a bit of a biblical term, but the community benefits when we all go after peace. So let's just pray as we close that we'll have peace with God, peace with one another, but also that we'll be peacemakers in the world around us, in our families, at work this week, in our communities, that will be like the queen that offers out that hand of peace, even to those who were formerly our enemies, that will be quick 
to listen and slow to speak, that we'll prayerfully consider how to respond and get involved like Abigail did in that story with David and Nabal, that we'll be willing to repent and ask for forgiveness and seek reconciliation, that we'll know that sometimes peace can sometimes take time, it's a process, it's not just an event, but that as we go after peace, we'll see his righteousness, peace and joy, because that is ultimately what the kingdom is about. For blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word with us. Thank you that when we go after peace, we are blessed and that we know your approval, but also that approval of the world and humans around us. Thank you, Lord, that this is part of our identity. So, Lord, help us this week to live out that in any context where we see a lack of peace, where we see anxiety and conflict and just that lack of peace and awareness of who you are, God, that we would just be able to minister that. And I pray for for us all that we would just be ministers of that peace that we've experienced first in our own lives. Lord, that you would just minister that into situations that we're all facing now, um, that we would be able to be at peace with you, with one another, and then take that into the world all around us, that we would see your kingdom, that righteousness, peace, and joy in this Holy Spirit this week in our situations and in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we are blessed when we are peacemakers, for that is who we are as children of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.